Good morning, everyone. I'm Reverend Wendy Silvers, and you have arrived at the Awakened Mother Show. Weekly and bi-weekly dialogues, uncensored, unfiltered, raw, organic dialogues with visionaries, leading edge, spiritual teachers, moms, everyone who is dedicated to the path of awakening and supporting moms and children in the world. And this morning, I'm so thrilled and delighted to have Aura Nadrick with us because I have known Aura for several years now, and she is so wonderful. She is a prolific author. She is a teacher of mindfulness. She has her own institute about thoughts, which is so vital um, to having a prosperous and joyous life. And I want to just share a little bit with you about her before we dive deep into this fabulous book called Time to Awaken, which I will make sure you have the link and you can just see I've like there's it's so rich and so juicy that you will want to get this book right away on Amazon. You can do it even while you're watching or listening to this. So let me tell you just a little bit about Aura, and then you will get to experience her. Aura Nadrich is a pioneering mindfulness expert, international keynote speaker, coach, and the founder and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking. New York Times bestselling author Marianne Williamson has said, when she speaks, I listen. When she writes, I read it. When she gives advice, I heed it. Aura is a thought after expert in the fields of mindfulness, transformational thinking, and self-discovery. Aura created and popularized her highly effective says who method, which allows her clients to ask simple questions that result in profound personal and professional transformation. Aura is the author of Says Who? How One Simple Question Can Change the Way You Think Forever and Live True, a mindfulness guide to authenticity named one of the hundred best mindfulness books of all time by Book Authority, which is the world's leading site for book recommendations by thought leaders and recently was chosen as one of the top five books on authenticity in positive psychology. Her work has also been featured in Thrive Global, Fast Company, NBC News, Women's Health Magazine, Reader's Digest, Psychology Today, Yahoo Health, Success Magazine, and many others. She is a frequent Huffington Post contributor and one of their leading global mindfulness experts. Aura and her book, Mindfulness and Mysticism, with a foreword by His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama, were featured on KTLA News. So, welcome, Aura. It is so wonderful to be with you again. Hi, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my joy. It's my joy. Aura and I met through Children's Health Defense California where I was invited to be a volunteer ambassador with great joy. And Aura is one of the board members and she brings her wisdom, 
her beauty, her generosity, has hosted many wonderful events at her home and is a stand for you awakening. And we meet in that place of awakening. So again, I'm going to show you this book cover and I've, I've been reading this and just like, and just like your last book, it just speaks to my heart. I, I, I feel, I'm like, is she reading my journal? Is she listening to my thoughts? So it's just, how long did it take you to write this and, and how brave you are? Thank you, Wendy, so much for that. You know, this book actually took me, it's the shortest amount of time I've spent on a book and it's the most dense book I've written. It is so chock full of information and I poured my heart and soul into it, but I also researched it extensively and it took me, I'd say about six months to write it. So that's unprecedented for me. It usually takes me a lot longer to write a book. Um, this book also really came to me. I had never intended to write a book that quickly after my last book, Mindfulness and Mysticism, which we talked about not that long ago. Yeah. Um, this book absolutely came to me. It was after that, I think it was a blood red moon. It was one of the most spectacular full moons we've ever had. It's supposed to come about once every, I don't know what, a hundred years. Anybody mm -hmm. who's into the moon, the cosmo astrology would know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It was so powerful. I woke up the next morning and whoosh, this book said, write me, <laughs> write me now. You know, So I did that. I said, okay, I'm being very called to write this book. And I sat down and I just started to write it very, um, with a lot of energy, a lot of focus, and it just poured out. Mm, well, thank you. Thank you for heeding that. And actually today is a full moon. So right. <laughs> it's very powerful that we are having this dialogue. Yes. About this. Um, so when, when I opened your book, I mean, the quote, the quote, the dedication to your dad, Shimon Zelig Rubinstein. Mm and his entire family who died in the Holocaust, along with 6 million Jews and other innocent souls. May we never stand idly by again. Yeah, makes me want to cry even hearing my own words. Yeah, I have complete body yeah. body uh, resonance with, with the, the power, the, the vibration behind your words. Because yeah. here we are in 2022, the close of 2022, after almost three years mm -hmm. of state of emergency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. your book is a call to people, intelligent, educated not educated, uneducated, but it's a call to the soul. Yeah, exactly right. To awaken. Exactly. That's the, that's the, that's the ask in the mm -hmm. book. It's really all that I ask, you know, to my fellow man, woman, and child, please let's all join together and wake up. Yeah. Wake up and see what is right before our eyes. Do you know? I do. 
I do. It's 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 ironic. In 2015, I I had a download and I began teaching uh, programs under the moniker of the Awakened Mother. And I wrote down what you've written in this book. Are you ready to awaken? And what and what you what you need to know about awakening? And I wrote down some of the qualities. And I see this, you know, in your book, the willingness to speak the truth. I love this resisting the singularity, right? And so the qualities of an awakened mother, and I would love to hear you speak. I mean, you've written about this in every chapter, conscious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the book is really, you know, the, the basis of my book, it's like, if I would say the first ingredient of every book that I've written is really about mindfulness. Mindfulness is is being in the present moment with total awareness. It's the practice mm-hmm. of awareness. And I think that if we cultivate that practice, we're just going to be much more aware, awake, conscious human beings. And that's really what we need to be an awake human being is to be mindfully aware of everything that's going on with ourselves, with others, with our environment, and then with the world. Mm. And I felt that that was really the thrust of the book is that is what awakening is all about, is to be so mindfully aware to realize, am I really awake? Am I really here? Am I really present? Am I really fearlessly present to be here to see what is right before me? and not to cower and not to be afraid and not to look away and not to stand idly by. When we are facing what we are facing, and as we know what you just said, over the last two and a half years, what we have experienced, which is something we've never experienced in our lifetime before, that the entire world, the entire globe was affected by the same thing. Yes. So this is, you know, this is the time of the great awakening. This is the way I see it. You know, everybody can see it the way in which they perceive it. Do you know? For me, I perceive this as with everything that we've gone through, as unpleasant, as hard, as painful, and as heartbreaking as, as it has been, it is a time of a great awakening. And for those that are choosing to be awake, they will be part of this unprecedented movement to wake up and see this lifetime for what it really is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I, in, on page two, you speak about fear is the number one reason people stay stuck in ignorance, which means it's a choice. Awakening is something every human being can realize, which means they can embody this, they can experience it, but only if they desire to. The number one question to ask yourself at this time is, do I wish to fully awaken? Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty profound question to ask ourselves because You know, I understand, you know, that this has been a very challenging time for a a lot of people on the planet. And there are a lot of people, you know, I say in my book, most people exist to exist. Yes. They live their lives really very survival oriented. They wake up each day 
and they, you know, do what they do to stay one more day alive. But it's really interesting to see what we're willing to do to stay alive. Are we willing to be ignorant to stay alive? You know, I propose a lot of questions, as you know, Wendy, you know, reading the book, I go pretty deep. I go into a lot of areas because I realize there are a lot of people that don't want to be bothered with this. And guess what? You know, when we start to call a time in our lifetime, the new normal, that means that the old normal, whatever that was, no longer exists. Mm-hmm. So as much as people want to believe or pretend or convince themselves that life is what it once was, it's not. Right. And I'm sorry for those that are inconvenienced by that. <laughs> um, I really am. I'm sorry. You know, waking up to the truth might seem unpleasant. And at times it can be quite shocking to see things right in front of us that, you know, maybe we don't want to see. But as I mentioned in the book, I don't know if you got to the chapter of the Buddhist uh, Eightfold Noble Truths. Yes. The number one first noble truth is right view. That means we are willing to see the world as it really is, not as we want it to be or not as we insist it to be, but what it really is, do you know? And this is the time to just take off those rose-colored glasses and go, okay, I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to see what's really going on. I'm, I, you know, even if it means just maybe shaking up your perfect little world, you know, yeah. um, it, it's time to just see it for what it is. Mm, Beautifully said. It's so fascinating to me to see the resistance. Yeah, it's a good word. (laughs) Right? The resistance to that. Yeah. And on one hand, I have enormous compassion because you and I came to this very organically. Like it just was very. Yes. But of course, like, It doesn't make any sense. And this isn't true. Just like you presence about how where conspiracy theory came from, that it was literally created by the CIA. I mean, it's just, you know, when you do the reading that is different from the anesthetizing um, stuff that you get on mainstream, you learn like all the things that you presence in here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I wrote that in the very beginning, just to get that out of the way. It's like conspiracy theory is so overused. It's actually insulting. And not only that, how I view it today, it's almost a lack of intelligence in people that are quick to point a finger and go, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. What that indicates to me is that you just don't want to, you don't want to do the, do your due diligence. You don't want to do your own research. Do you know, it's not that I chose to write a book to be the bearer of bad news. You know, it's not, that wasn't my intention. (laughs) Intention is to say, don't be lazy, you know, be a dot connector, right? Care enough to want to know things, you know, don't just, don't just listen to your local news station and all of them are basically biased to varying degrees and go, oh, well, that's what they're telling me. So I guess that's true. You know, I mean, really, are you just taking your lead from other people or supposedly authority figures to tell you what to do? And and then we now know that conspiracy theory, that term came from when you question authority. No, 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 no. you're not supposed to do that. Don't think to question authority. Do as you say. 
I mean, do as you know, be, be do as you're told is, right. is really the dictum of what, you know, like we're little children, you know, we're supposed to be like, well, but the news told me, but the government told me, but the health officials told me, so it must be true. And you're right, Wendy, you and I knew because we're aware, we're awake, we're good dot connectors. Right. We don't lead, you know, we don't go by what people tell us to do. Right. You know, we're, we're good critical thinkers. We, yeah. we make good decisions for ourselves. And yeah. it, it is, you know, I, and I try and say this with compassion because I know everybody mm-hmm. at their own point of evolution, do you know, and I, I really get that. But I do not want to support. That's why I started the book with May We Not Stand Idly By Again. Oh. No, please. The only way for, for history not to repeat itself is to wake up to be able to be a good dot connector and be willing to see things for what they really are as maybe as unpleasant as they might be. And that for me is one of the biggest uh, layers, the veils, right? When you think about the seven veils, I I, I feel like, you know, in, in keeping with how you broke down the noble truths, I think the veil, that veil of illusion, that veil of, Oh, let me see behind the curtain to this little man who's <laughs> speaking into a megaphone and and influencing the entire world and scaring the bejeebies out of poor little Dorothy right. and you know the, her three companions who just right. very innocently came what to get a heart, courage, and a brain, a brain, you know, and then it took little, little Toto. These are such great metaphors, by the way. It's like, I love these stories because if you really look deep into them, they'll tell you everything you really need to know. Here's a man behind a curtain, the wizard of Oz, right. who's speaking in a megaphone and scaring the bejeebies out of these poor souls. Right. Toto, the dog to pull back the curtain, to reveal that Oh, you were freaked out by some little old man who was right. trying to control you. Right. And she had the answers within her. She had the freedom, the liberation was yes. already within her. And all yes. she had to do was tune into her heart. Not yes. crazy about the heel clicking personally, but. <laughs> well, I'm so with you. I'm so with you. But I, But that's a very sort of, you know. I don't know if it was a Disney moment, but that's, you know, they need all that. They need all the bells and whistles. Right, of course. They can't speak a language that's too spiritual or people might not hear it. And God forbid we have a really like self-actualized woman, you know, like (laughs) let's not have that. (laughs) Let's let's make her into an old hag, you know, and then we have the young girl. So anyway, (laughs) we could really riff on that for a bit. We could really deconstruct the Wizard of Oz and bring it into the modern day context and go, what? Right. But, you know, right. but there are, there are just like Alice in Wonderland. There's a lot of wonderful stories and fairy tales that really reveal a lot of the archetypal truths that we need to see to realize how we live and how we are easily fooled. Do you know? Yes. And that's why this, a, a book with this richness and this depth, the way that you break down this what happened? I'm I'm just gonna you know rather than go with the you know all of the trendy phrases about describing this time, which I could, mm-hmm. uh, but for the sake of our discussion, I will uh, not do that. But the the richness and the depth, how you break down about Bill Gates and how he owns 
so much farmland owns all the seeds that are GMO oh. and, and the connections. So, you so know, for anybody who's new to this dialogue, yes, welcome. We are so glad that you are here and yes. we will very gently just hold your hand and walk you through this <laughs> web of deception that has been presented as the truth. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, I would do, I would rather do a lot of other things than to have spent the time that I did on someone like Bill Gates. Trust me. Okay. I, I could have spent my days walking on the beach and baking an apple pie right. and doing a lot of things that give me pleasure than to have to park myself and go down rabbit holes about Bill Gates. But boy, right. someone had to do it. And there's a lot of us that are doing it. And what I say to people is get educated, find mm -hmm. out about these people and see what they're really up to. It'll blow your mind. Do you know? It's And it's like what we said about the Wizard of Oz. There's a lot of deception going on. And people are not always what they appear to be. And someone like Bill Gates, who I personally view as a very, I don't even want to use the word scary, but um, he's a very powerful man. You know, there's a lot of very wealthy billionaires on the planet who think that they can, you know, decide what our destiny is for us and it's not their decision to guide us towards our destiny that is our sovereign right to decide what is best for us but thank you for bringing that up because everybody should know about bill gates and what he's up to it's quite alarming well someone that that i i know you know of and someone that is on my wish list of dialogues with is vandana shiva and oh. Uh, I just, I just adore what she's doing. And amazing, amazing. Right? She is incredible. I mentioned her in the book. I'm a big fan of hers, huge fan of hers. Um, I highly recommend everybody watching her documentary. And she spills it all out herself. And she talks about all of the deception when it deals with farming and big agra and agriculture and Bill Gates. He just is like the Joker who just appears in every single scenario. You're like, when it comes to vaccines, there he is. When it comes to farmland, there he is. When it comes to genetically modified food, there he is. When it comes to impo control. impossible foods, there he is. It's like, why does he have this much power on the planet? Yeah. These are the kinds of questions I want people to ask. Those are the kinds of questions that I had. That's why I wrote the book. I wanted to get educated. I wanted to know more. And I found out a lot. Yeah. And my, my sense of, of what keeps people from really surrendering, because I think of it as a surrender. It's a, it's really a letting go of these false beliefs that big daddy government or big mama ag or big doctor pharma is going to uh, yeah. really assist us. Uh, I really, I really find uh, that what it is is this uh, very immature sense of, uh, well, if mommy and daddy aren't going to take care of me, who's going to take care of me? Exactly right, and that is the way most people, even intelligent people, well-educated people they really go by these systems, you know, these mm -hmm. constructs that they feel are very um, legitimate, 
mm-hmm. and possibly be filled with corruption. God forbid any of these systems are corrupted, you know, because that just would rock their world if they suddenly couldn't believe in the government. They couldn't believe that big pharma has their best interests at heart. If right. they even believe, which we just witnessed over the last two years, that our health organizations are the ones that are telling us what to do with our bodies. Mm-hmm. We are being told what to do. We are actually recognizing that the way in which we are being treated is that we have no sovereignty or agency over ourselves. So it's a very hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. I mean, I spoke to somebody, a perfectly intelligent friend of mine, and she literally had this look on her face like, like, oh, why would they do that to us? I wanted to say to her, and you believe in the tooth fairy. No, I mean, this is an adult woman who really had, you know, with all due respect. Yes, but I understand. I'm funny. laughing with you, not yeah, no, no, I'm not laughing at her, but yeah. it, was, it was very, it's, it's a very hard pill for people to swallow the fact that look at what we're dealing with right now in the medical world. It's very divided and nothing showed that more than what just took place over the last two years, how divided the medical system, the medical business really is, do you know? So it's very hard for people to accept that. They're like, that can't be possible. That's a conspiracy theory. What are you talking about? Right. You know, right. and, and many people, even our parents' generation, really believe that doctors walked on water. They yes. were the closest thing to God. When I, when I gave birth to my, when I was planning the birth of my daughter, and I told my mother that I was going to birth her at home, or I didn't know that that my baby was a, a female, but I, I wanted to birth the baby at home. I cannot tell you how many conversations my mother would mention the doctors that we knew and that were uh, in our family. And, and what did I really know what I was doing to the point where I had to set a boundary with my mom, whereupon I said, if you keep having this conversation with me, we're not going to be able to talk. Yeah. Yeah. It got to that point. I'm sure Wendy, I mean, I was just speaking to a friend of mine's daughter who's who's pregnant and making that decision for herself and her instincts as a young woman, the way she describes how she wants to have her birth at home is so beautiful. But you hear there's the voices over here like, oh, but what if, and this could go wrong and you really should be in the hospital. And, you know, it's all fear-based. Completely. You you could, one could say something could go wrong in a home birth just as easily as something could go wrong in a hospital birth. Mm -hmm. Do you know? Of course, something can go wrong if you walk outside your house and cross the street. One cannot live their lives by what could or might happen. Right. Well, that's, I have so much to say about that. And so just to close the loop about that, the research that I did showed that it is actually safer to have your baby at home than it is because once you cross the threshold of the hospital, it becomes a, a medical protocol, except for those hospitals that have birthing rooms and, and midwives, uh, but they're still following the medical model. Not so, so easy, not so easy to find those places today. Right. Yes. Yes. So I am I'm I'm really curious if there was anything new that you discovered while you were writing this, was there, I mean, I'm sure, I know there was tons that you uncovered. Was there anything that 
what you were writing and you just went, oh my, oh my God, I just, I just can't even like. Well, you know, I do a lot of it. Yes, it's true. I mean, I did do, you know, um, very extensive research on the very things that I knew were happening, but I wanted it to be, you know, cited and indexed and researched uh, properly. I would say that, I mean, I didn't know to, to all of the degrees of what I knew were really about, and I didn't know all the tentacles that were connected to other things. So research does that. Research gives you more information, and then you can really connect the dots and go, wow, this is a lot bigger than I thought. So there was a lot for me to learn as I did my research. I just, you know, because I'm a very sort of intuitive thinker, I wanted to explore the area of emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. I know about emotional intelligence, but I, I did my version of emotional intelligence and in that I brought it into a modern day context. And I also connected it to, um, you know, people who are in positions of leading people who are in positions of power and how we don't value something like EQ, emotional intelligence. And yet we put tremendous importance and premium on IQ. And the way in which you can get into, you know, whether it's the top colleges, the top institutions, the top coveted jobs, positions politically, um, whatever they are in medicine, law, politics, you have to really have some have high IQ. But never is there mentioned anything to do with emotional intelligence. That was very illuminating to me. And that was my own rabbit hole that I took myself down because I was curious about that. And I even went back to researching Hitler, somebody like Hitler. And I thought, you know, and I connected all the dots with really what made him so powerful was his very lacking in emotional intelligence. And that he himself really had so many flaws and so many mental disorders, obviously, and and such, you know, evil in him. But that a lot of the times the very thing that we should be valuing, which is a higher level of, of intelligence, meaning we understand our own emotions, that takes us back into mindfulness, that takes us back into being a conscious human being and have an awareness of our own ego. So when I coupled that with emotional intelligence and I really started to link it to these particular people that I was threading throughout the book, I realized that that was a tremendous deficit defect in their personalities, that they were all lacking emotional intelligence. And that was very curious to me. I was like, wow, do you know, what is that about these people who get into tremendous positions of power and they really have no self-awareness of their own emotional, um, you know, lack of awareness, if you will. So that was very illuminating for me. I, I really, I really got into that chapter a lot. And of course, I delved deeply into transhumanism and I learned way more about that. And I'm very aware of, you know, what our advanced technology is bringing forward into our future. And when I realized that most transhumanists, um, futurists, if you will, and those that believe that we should be supercomputers, <laughs> that we should eventually turn into, you know, AI intelligence and supercomputers, that most of them are very agnostic and they don't believe in, in God or the divine. 
Um, and uh, it, to me, really connoted a lack of soul, a soul, you know, and that really was very sad for me. I, I again, there were a lot of areas that I went into the book that very much pinpointed to me, you know, who are the um, who are the ones that are ushering in our future? You know, who are the ones that are really um, being the architects of our future? And when I started to do, again, research on those that you can call them different things, you can call them global elites, you can call them technocrats, you can call them, you know, the billionaires that have the most power in the world, that they seem to be lacking, again, in this emotional intelligence and that they don't seem very at all connected to something that you and I would call spirituality or the divine, or I don't really care what someone calls the divine, be it God, source, supreme intelligence, Christ consciousness, it doesn't matter to me. But it's the, the understanding that something greater than us, greater than our own egos, you know, exists as a guiding presence on this planet, this earth. I didn't see any of those people subscribing to that. And quite frankly, it actually made me very sad. That is very profound. That was a profound realization for me, Wendy. It took me a while to, I mean, I could cry. It took me a while to shake that off. I can, I mean, I have, I mean, I have the chapter, you know, I, I, I understand and 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 you know my hands on my heart because yeah. it's 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 a it's a it's something that we all really need to really you know you say hand on your heart we need to really connect to our humanity we need to connect I mean I know you're a reverend and I'm very much a spiritual you know facilitator myself it is really really sad to see how far we have moved away from the dignity of our humanity it's. Mm. It's it's really it's a, it's a tough one. Now I'm I'm remaining hopeful, and I believe that there are many of us on this planet Earth that choose to be awake mm -hmm. and choose to protect our humanity and preserve our humanity. And know, as you know, the quote that I love so much by Pierre Teilhard de Chardin: "We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Please, please, let's honor our spirits mm -hmm. and let's honor the path of spirituality." Everybody, I just invite you to take a breath with me because that was very profound teaching that Aura just shared with us. So let us just take a breath. So vital what you just shared, Aura. Thank you. And it's so shocking to see how much the intellect is valued over the emotional. And I was thinking about Yuval Harari, oh. Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg. Which I mentioned all in the book. They're yeah. all there. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm uh, Elon Musk. I mean, I, I'm, 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 you know, these, and they're men. And I know that there's women, of course. Um, I have been to the transhumanist site and it's uh, there's women in that that, you know, and I and it's just. It's so important what you're speaking about, and this is this is a tentacle. Yesterday was International 
people day or or I saw something that there was some celebration and there was a teacher who was very excited because she was going to, uh, she had a, a syllabus, a curriculum for her students. I don't know how old they were, but they were in elementary school and how important it was because they were gonna talk about pronoun and they were gonna learn all about pronoun and how she was so happy to do that. And all I could think about was <laughs> both and, right? Like where's the, um, and I literally, it's, I said, and I know I'm sure it's, was sparked by reading your book and by the, by the by the consciousness that you and I continue to swim in i kept thinking about where's the emotional intelligence where's why are we focusing on pronouns with with young children which is at some point important where's the emotional intelligence the literacy where is there an opportunity to learn to trust yourself to yeah. know your your feelings matter to be curious yes and that to me is what what i appreciate so much about the work you do and about and about this book and again i'm going to show everybody this book those that are watching this by video and those that are listening by audio i'm showing aura's new book time to awaken it is on amazon i highly recommend it uh, but where is this opportunity to come home to yourself? Yes, that's a very good question. And I, I'm very concerned about the future generations. You know, now is our time to turn this ship around. Do you know? Because once it keeps going in this direction, which is really very much about the desensitizing and the dehumanizing and things like transhumanizing, which is that in itself should send chills down people's spines, you know? And that if, if we're even teaching children to just identify themselves as a pronoun, you know, and not even talk about them being spiritual beings, do you know, I have in my chapter in Protect the Children, yeah. I talk about them being star beings, do you know, and how they are, they are the adults of the future. Mm -hmm. Let them be the light that guides us. What are we teaching them? Yes. I mean, this is this should be very disturbing to people today, especially parents. Yes, you know, I, I, the children I, are being commandeered. To uh, I don't see this mindful teaching being done in schools. I see the complete opposite of that. You know, and it's for me, it, it sounds very egoic in that you know everybody needing to define themselves in ways that has nothing to do with being a spiritual human being whether you want to identify as a spiritual being or not that's your prerogative but it all seems like this posturing this flexing of muscle of identity you know are we our identity is that who we are or should we be defined by our identity and our pronouns is that what it's come to <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, 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 you know, on page 260, you talk EQ consciousness. And there's four questions that are posed. Well, four points. Um, and there's more, but these are a few of the questions. One, trust by others is automatically given to me 
is built through reliability and authenticity. Two, I always communicate in a way that everyone understands what I am saying that seeks mutual understanding and full information sharing. Three, others' perspectives are always understood and sensitivity shown, mm. clouding the issues and getting us off track. Whoop. Squirrel. Four, when I see bias and intolerance, I always challenge the initiating people, turn a blind eye and ignore it. And you go on to say, if I were to take just those four questions out of 40 and answer them for Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, or Klaus Schwab, I would say that for the first question, trust seemed to just be given to them and was not built through reliability and authenticity. And then you go on, which people can read when they purchase your book. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that part. And I could have plugged a lot of other names into that. You know, oh, I could, uh, yeah. could have given a list of names of the people that are really in the, you know, foreground of our reality today, those that are in power. You know, we, we know who they are, or yeah. you, you should find out who's really running the show right now. And if we asked any of those people those questions, could they really pass the emotional EQ test with flying colors? I don't think so, you know? Yeah, and that whole, the, the whole premise, right? So here's the facade, right? So having a background in PR and, and you, that whole thing of crisis control, you know, when, that, when something happens. So then you, you train these people that speak and this whole marketing that was given, oh, you're saving your grandmother. You're not doing this for yourself. You're doing this oh. for your neighbor. And I love how in the beginning of the book, you speak about if you were given, uh, and forgive me if I don't have the exact detail, but if you were given poison to drink yeah, for a liquid that you didn't know what was in the, what was the ingredients. And somebody said, here, drink this. This is, this is for your neighbor, or this is for your granny or your dad. Like, would would somebody drink it? That that's one of my first questions, literally, because I that came to me immediately during this crazy, yeah, whatever you want to call this, you know, uh, <laughs> you can call it everything from a nightmare to a circus, you know, to you know a pandemic, as Mickey Willis calls it. Do you know? Yeah, if I were to if I were holding if I were you know holding a glass and and I said to you, Wendy drink this, you know, emphatically, your first question to me would be, well, what is it? And if I was, if I said to you, I'm not going to tell you drink it, you know, first of all, I'm sure you would look at me like, okay, what's up with her? <laughs> secondly, if I were then to say to you, and you know what, Wendy, if you don't drink it, I'm not going to be friends with you. I'm going to badmouth you to everybody I know. I'm going to make sure you never work in this town again. Nice. I'm going to make sure that you're I give you a litany of reasons why I'm going to take you down if you don't drink this liquid. And you you plug that into what we know millions of people did because they were told to do it without any informed consent. It boggles the mind. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. 
uh, it's stunning. It's, it's, it's just, it's mind boggling. It's like we're, as parents, we teach our children, don't drink, don't take anything from strangers. Don't go in, your older children, don't go into a bar and, and uh, drink a drink that, that hasn't been in your hands the whole night. Don't go in a car, it, like there's basic essential, uh, uh, I don't know if it would be boundaries that we give to our children to keep them in this healthy container. And yet this whole premise of take this because it's really good for you, but the only people that it's been tested on are you. <laughs> you are the test. You're it. You're the experiment. You're, you're the experiment. I want you to trust me. But don't ask any questions because. But that that's what, what you're talking about is really therein lies the rub. That's what's the hardest thing for people, because when we're teaching our children, think about it. When we're warning our children or teaching them to be safe, we're warning them against people that are bad. Right. People that have bad intentions, people that could be harmful, people that could hurt them. Right. Now, you look at people in positions of authority and that is a again that's a very hard pill for most people to swallow they're not going to look at the government or big pharma or our health organizations and say well they're going to hurt me they want to hurt me they actually are out to hurt me and we know without going too deep down the rabbit hole of big pharma do you know which is you know we know that that's something Bobby Kennedy Jr. could speak about and does so well in his book, The Real Anthony Fauci. Yeah. Um, you know, it, could there be anything more disturbing than these trillion dollar companies that blitzkrieg us on television to take drugs and we're being programmed to recognize that we're not healthy enough, we're not strong enough, we don't have a strong enough immune system, we need drugs to keep us healthy. And yet these trillion dollar companies are completely off the hook. They're not liable if you get injured or die. Is there not something really um, concerning about that to people? Is that not even if we if my book was just about that, and I said, please just wake up about that. That should really wake people up. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. So it's again, you know, it's very hard for people to accept that we've lived, you know, our whole lives trusting these people. I write that in the very beginning of the book. That's like, I think in my first chapter where I say, it's very hard to say that perhaps a lot of what you believed is true is not. Oh. Maybe you've gone your whole life believing or that we've been groomed to believe that we should trust and believe everything that's told to us by those that are in positions of, of authority or power. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. You know, again, we're, we're, we're really facing how difficult this is for a lot of people. I understand why it is very hard for them mm -hmm. to accept that like what you said earlier on, it's not comfortable for most people, most of the masses to 
not be led. They need to be led. They need to be told what to do. And it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people not to have to rely on others to lead the way for them. But isn't that what you said earlier, even about Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz? The answers are within. Yes. We just don't want to trust them. We don't want to believe our own inner truth. And especially if we're aligned to the divine and we believe in something sacred that is there you know, with us to help guide us towards this beautiful light that is shining brightly, mm. we would rather listen to others who could very well lead us in the wrong direction and could be our undoing. Yes, yes. I, I haven't, I, oh, the poetry of your words, the depth, it just moves my heart. I mean, Thank yeah, Anthony Fauci is oh. not my God. Oh God. Or is Bill Gates or Elon Musk or any, any, I mean, I think as a woman in the world, Oof. part of my quest and part of what I imparted to my daughter was to know thyself and trust, trust your intuition that, that, that was implanted, this God part of you that connects you to the divine and do not give that to anyone. No, no. And your book is such a beautiful example of, you know, I love this quote at the, at the very end. It, Will it be a spoiler alert if I read that quote? I don't think so. Okay, I'm going to read the, the quote. There's the so end. much There's so much in between from the beginning to that quote that is worth the, reading the book. It's so beautiful. So so it's by Pierre, Tell, I always say Teilhard de Chardin. And this is from the spirit of the earth. And I love, I love quotes and I love how you... It, 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 they're so meaningful and poignant with the quotes that you put. So gosh, mm -hmm. you just such an inspiration. Thank you for what you do. Thank you, Wendy. Really, thank you. Yeah. So love is the most universal, the most tremendous, and the most mystical of cosmic forces. Love is the primal and universal psychic energy. Love is a sacred reserve of energy. It is like the blood of a spiritual evolution. Mm -hmm. And that's what the call to your soul is from this book. Remember that love is your true nature and it is time to awaken. So thank you. Thank you so much. Aura for being here. I will make sure that everyone has a link to purchase this book. Thank you. Wendy. And a way and to Aura's uh, website because she has just a fountain of incredible inspiration and information for you. And uh, I'm just very grateful that you are here with us. And I know there's some people that that have some questions, perhaps. And what I'm going to do for now as I'll stop that this recording and I'll start a new recording with the questions. So, um, so everybody stay tuned. This will be um, an additional aspect to it. And again, thank you and bless you, Aura, for being here with us. Thank you so much, Wendy. It's always so wonderful to be with you and have these 
meaningful conversations. Thank you so much. Peace and blessings, everyone.